welcome one, welcome all to the Simple Politics Podcast. I'm your host and political crumb, Kobe Omanaka, and I'm joined as always by my co-hosts and political cakes, Diane and Tatton. How are you guys doing this week? Great. I'm an Easter cake, if that's the thing. Mm-hmm. What's an Easter cake? I don't know. Simno, is that? Simmel cake. Yeah. Simmel, yeah. Something like that. Anyway, or, or just all the chocolate, basically. <laughs> <laughs> All the chocolate in a cake in Diane's mouth. That's how it's going. That's how it's going. Last week of our term and last week of Parliament for a little bit as well. Tatton, how are you? What kind of cake are you? If Diane's simmel or just all the chocolates in a cake, what, what are you? I think I'm uh, fondant fancy is what I think I am. Because, <laughs> you know, it promises, you it promises so much. And then it's a bit sweet and saccharine briefly and then it's done. And you're quite pleased that's over. With my experience with fondant fancies, that's not the case. I, I get that it's done in a bite but then I'm on to the next seven uh, in the packet and it's gone within a minute. Oh, yeah. I mean, sometimes you can overindulge and think you want more than you do. And then you feel a bit sick and you're full of regret <laughs> and sadness, which is also who I am. We've got a few interesting things to talk about this week in the podcast. Let's head to the first section, which, as always, is the top posts as seen in the Simple Politics Instagram newsfeed. Tatten, what do we have at number three? Well, number three made me very, very happy because for a long time I've been saying on this podcast that Hamza Youssef will be the new SNP leader. And then what <laughs> the results came out on Monday and it was all going to be quite close. And I was like, oh, gosh, what if I've been wrong? I'm always wrong. What if I've been wrong about this? And then I was right. Hooray. Go, I think go me is the most important thing that happened um, <laughs> in the country on Monday. He is seen as, I mean, the term continuity candidate. He's more of the same. He's a very similar politically driven character to Nicola Sturgeon. So we, we might well see the same things coming up. I mean, that said, he isn't Nicola Sturgeon and he does have his own ideas. He's been putting his team together. Lots and lots of women in his team, not the candidates he beat. They were like, no, thanks. And so there's a lot, always a lot of excitement when you get a new leader. He gave a relatively short speech when he was elected and it roughly went murmur 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 thank you very much everyone murmur murmur we're going to be great like every single acceptance speech of any leadership ever so it's it's about letting the fella bed in and seeing what policies uh, he's going to enact yeah and following the trend we've seen in other areas of the british isles we're having the first leader of color after Rishi Sunak and the leader of Ireland. Taoiseach. And Mayor of London, of course. And I liked how it wasn't really part of the story as well. So it's becoming something that's like, okay, cool. And next thing is, what are you going to bring to the team? Like, what are you going to bring to Scotland? Let's get this thing done. A small indicator that things are changing on a positive tick. What was the second most popular post? Diane. We love a quote. It's a quote in at number two. Let me give you a bit of context around it. There's this survey, which until this week I'd never heard of, but it's called... British Social Attitude Survey. Now, apparently, this is kind of like one of the a gold standard survey. There's lots of them. You know, you get them. We read them every day, and you realise there's a survey of like 20 people. But this one is thousands of people. It's a real gold standard one. It's been running since 1983, so it's been running for absolutely years. What they found this week is that satisfaction levels with the NHS are the lowest they have ever recorded in their 40 years of doing their survey. And they're down at 29%. Now, this isn't about people saying they don't want the NHS. They very much do want the NHS. 
the idea of the NHS is still very supported. This is about people's practical lived experience. So this is about when people have gone tried to get an outpatient appointment or their waiting time or some of the comments are just that they've seen the ward being drastically understaffed or you know it's this kind of stuff that's led to that low result in this survey. Now the comment that we put up is from a guy who leads the BMA British Medical Association. His view, his take on it, is that it's years of kind of decline that's led to this position. He calls out underfunding. That's the quote that we put up. It was pretty well supported in the comments. But there were also other people who said it's not just about money. It's about management levels. It's about doing things slightly differently, potentially, in the NHS, because it's in such a position of being this massive institution, national institution, it's potentially got that side to it where people almost like don't want to touch it at all and don't want to make massive changes or do anything to its structure. But in the comments, some people who are NHS workers are saying some things also need to change with management and funding, sure. But there's two sides to it. Really interesting raft of comments we got from that quote. Yeah, I think, well, the NHS is obviously something that unites people on all sides of the political spectrum. So we've all been talked about NHS in many different ways. We've talked about it here in this podcast before. I'm sure we'll talk about it again. This kind of made my heart sink. I hope we're able to get back to a stage where we can sing and dance about the NHS. If the Olympics was to come to London again, would Danny Boyle have a section to the NHS? I hope so. I thought that was one of, one of the best parts of, that, of the opening ceremony when it came to London in 2012. And I thought, yeah, rightly so, the NHS is amazing. I want to get back to a stage where we can sing and dance about it again. Tatton, what was the first most popular post? It's about drinking. It's about getting down the pub. <laughs> you see, what's really interesting, I want to put this in context. During COVID, they shut pubs at 10 because they said the last hour is the one where things get rowdy. I'd agree. I, I agree. Okay, and we didn't want things getting rowdy because then we might mix with people and we might do things that spread COVID. Lick each other's faces. That's when it happens. So we know the government has told us that the last hour pubs are open. It's all a bit hairy. Now, what they've said is that over the coronation on the 5th, 6th and 7th of May, pubs and other venues can stay open an extra two hours. So, in order to celebrate His Majesty, we don't just get the rowdy hour, we get two extra hours so we can get absolutely smashed. So that to celebrate, to raise a glass to our monarch, we can go to the pub at 12.30 at night and do Jaeger bombs. And I mean, we cannot take nitrous oxide. I want to get be clear on that. But we can just get in there and get hammered because nothing says, God save our gracious king, more than a shit ton of booze. <laughs> <laughs> the poor, poor, poor <laughs> hospitality workers responding to this post. <laughs> oh, really? Was what kind of comments were we getting here? Oh, I just felt for them. Um, you know, like they already feel like they're in for a weekend of carnage. It's a, it's the extra bank holiday. It's you know they're going to be dealing with like you say that extra two hours. 
like I understand that the coronation is a really big, important time for lots of people. We've got a new king, like that's a big deal. And, you know, he's going to have the crown put on him. It's going to be an amazing spectacle. And I was in a charity shop yesterday. And as we were buying some jeans for my youngest, we spotted coronation bunting behind the counter. And I was asking about it. Apparently they are selling loads of coronation bunting. Like it's it's March, the coronation's not till May, and people are buying stuff ready. Like it's gonna be, it's gonna be huge. Why we need to be able to drink between eleven and one. I don't get it. If it's a good policy to allow people to drink that late, why aren't we allowed to drink that late all the time? If it's not a good policy, why would you put it in to encourage, please drink responsibly. Do you know what I mean? Like, why would you put it in now if it's an irresponsible thing to do? I find it very, very odd. I mean, I, I also don't really like leaving the house. So uh, pubs can be open as long as they like, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> On the SP post for this, there's a quote from Suella Braveman. He said, people can enjoy an extra pint or two in the evening while celebrating the king. But I mean, I hate to criticise the government. I hate to criticise the government. I don't like criticising the government, but but they can have a pint or two in the evening. We're talking at night. We're talking 11 till 1. That's not an extra pint or two. But if I'm drinking at 11 till 1, it's spirits. I'm at home. I'm crying into my glass all alone. Right? And that's how nature intended it to be. You can't be out out with other people. Goodness me. What about raves? Clubs are included, but I don't think raves adhere to any kind of licensing procedures as far as I know. No, no. So hang on. Like in my youth, I used to, you know, go out quite late and then go to another club in the morning. But if your club closes at 5 a.m. or 6 a.m., does it now get to stay open till 8 a.m.? Does everyone get the two hours extra? Or does the after club you might go to at 6 in the morning because you don't want to go home yet, right? Does that get also, like, can stay open till tea time? I mean, is it two hours for everybody? It says two hours from your usual. I mean, it makes no difference to my life. Zero difference to me these days. I hope Suella will come out and clarify the rules for everyone here so we know what exactly we can expect once one o'clock happens on the 5th, 6th and 7th of May. Can we go into a club? What time will that club shut? Will there be taxis available for us at the time that the club shuts? Because we want to know how we're going to get home safely, obviously. Also, what's on telly? Because that's what, that's, that's all I'll be watching. So. I find it interesting because it's the whole weekend. It's the bank holiday weekend. We've already got this extra weekend of fun. Are the people going to be staying until one o'clock? Who's going to watch the coronation? <gasps> Copa, you're right. You're right. The day of the coronation, is, I think it's the Saturday is the day of the coronation. There should be an enforced curfew on the Friday, so we're all fresh <laughs> for it. We shouldn't be adding drinking time on. <laughs> there should be, the streets should be clean by nine. No one's allowed out. And then they can, like, check your lights were off to make sure we're all... Uh, <laughs> fresh. Let's head over to the mailbag. This is the section where the whoa, readers and listeners Whoa, whoa, no, stop. Kobe, what? stop. We're not <laughs> moving on to the mailbag because that wasn't, in fact, our number one post. I've been sold a kipper. What's going on? I wrote a post on Saturday and Diane is cruelly left her out of this podcast and I will not stand for this oppression. <laughs> <laughs> It didn't make the cut. <laughs> the clocks changed. And I thought that was an important thing to share, to help people, public service broadcasting. 
I thought it was an important thing to share. And it was liked by more people than have liked anything we've worked really hard on all year. Like it's our biggest <laughs> post for a very long time, including international pop sensation, Jessie J gave it a quick like. I say quick like, I think she looked at it for a long time and thought about what we're trying to say as people and then liked it. And you can't tell with just a like, can you? You can't tell the amount of thought that's gone into a like. Uh, but I'm, I think she probably tried to pen a new song about it. That's what I wanted to say on the clocks. I just wanted to say that it was a good post and Diane's cruel and mean. Well done, Tatton. <laughs> Thank you. Do you know what? I don't hear those words enough. Now it's time for the mailbag. Guys, over to you guys as the listeners and readers to ask the questions. What have they asked this week? Diane. We have a real theme this week about voting and elections. Do you know what I think did it? I think it was the Lib Dems. I think it was the Lib Dems this week brought out a big tractor and launched their local election campaign. And that's got everyone having voting fever, really. They've done it. The Liberal Democrats are absolutely wonderful to watch. When they won a by-election recently in the Red Wall, Ed Davey produced the big yellow hammer and they had like some red bricks and he knocked the bricks down with his hammer to show how they're breaking the Red Wall and it was, it was just pure joy to watch. And then this week, Diane pointed out, they've gone bigger on this, yeah. they had a yellow tractor and they had lots of blue hay bales, blue clearly representing the Conservative Party. And they drove the, they drove the Liberal Democrat <laughs> tractor through the blue hay bales representing Liberal Democrats, something, representing something. And it was, <laughs> I mean, today, Labour, Labour are going to uh, launch their um, local election campaign today. And it won't be as cool. I don't care who you support, what party you're <laughs> partial to. It will not be as good as a yellow tractor driving through blue hay bales. If there's no machinery, we're now disappointed, basically. OK, so on that note, the first question is a voice note, which we love to hear. And it's a great one. And it's by Milan Mikal, who I will let him speak to you. What's the incentive for a young person to want to vote, especially after the Conservatives having such a shambles in the last decade and Labour losing their identity and not sort of representing the people, which they probably should? Like, why should young people sort of want to vote now? Great question. What's in it for young people? Why should they vote? Do you know, I've hardly got anything to add to the question because it kind of answered itself. What's the incentive for young people to vote? Because I don't like the way things are now. Well, you change that by voting. The politicians represent the whole country in theory, but actually they're, they're trying to win votes. So they need to do things that the voter wants them to do, right? Or promise things that the voter wants them to do. If you say, if you throw your hands up and say, well, the Conservatives are a shambles and Labour don't represent the people, which I think they should do, you're part of the problem. Young people need to vote because you better believe old people are voting, right? So if you leave it all to them, then all policies are going to go the way that the voter goes. 
traditionally, I mean, you talk about conservatives being a shambles first. Traditionally, statistically, older people vote conservative and younger people vote Labour or Green or whatever else. And that's, you know, in England and Wales, we've got the SNP kind of disrupt that in Scotland. Young people's votes are so important because we want to have a democracy and we want to have a political landscape where everyone is listened to. And if young people aren't voting, it's really, really easy to ignore them. And if you, I mean, what does that look like? That looks like cuts in youth services. That looks like education cuts. That looks like, oh, not, not, not even necessarily cuts, just I mean, real term cuts, I suppose, just, just not focusing on those things. We have a triple lock pension that means pensioners' money goes up every single year by loads especially right now in comparison to to wages we have minimum wages that are less if you're young young people will be left out because there isn't money for everyone so if you don't vote as a young person you will perpetuate the things that happen to young people because politicians need votes and it's almost that thing isn't it i have that conversation with people a lot that they don't feel that our current system of how we do general elections and things is great. So they almost opt out because they don't think they're going to get the result they want. But that's not the point, is it? Because it's the system we've got. So you kind of got to mobilise yourselves, uh, you know, as, as young people. And it, it could be something really huge. Guess what you need to do if you want change? You vote for it. That's what happens. If you say, what's the point? What's the incentive? Everyone's rubbish. You will not achieve change. And there are other ways to achieve change through campaigning, through getting out there and all a lot of other options. But voting is route one and you've got to do it. What is a second question, Diane? A second question, not a voice note, but a written question from Not A Politico who asks... What are the chances we could end up with a hung parliament at the next general election? Now, it might be worth explaining to people what a hung parliament is, first off, Tatton, and then what are the chances? So a hung parliament is when there is fewer than half the MPs are from one party. So there's 650 MPs. It's a little bit more complicated than that, but you need 326 MPs to have more than half. And the really important thing about having more than half is that when there's a vote, when your party wants to do something, if you have more than half the MPs, it doesn't matter what the other side say, it's going to get through. You're going to win the vote and get stuff done. Now, hung parliament is where no one party has that half of the House of Commons and so has to work through in a different way. We had one in 2010 and the Liberal Democrats went into coalition with the Conservative Party. And that's one way of doing it, where two parties who then added together have more than half agree on what they're going to do together, and then it doesn't matter. So Labour could still kick off about whatever they wanted, but the coalition could do what it wanted. Oh, there was another coalition, because Theresa May had the DUP. True, the Conservatives and DUP uh, joined up after the 2017 election. And then Boris Johnson won a huge amount over half the vote, so that's why he could just go ahead and do do whatever he wanted policy-wise, if not party-wise. The... Next election is going to be more trickier than that, because if there is a hung parliament, then nobody is going to be in a coalition with anyone else, because no parties are going to be in a coalition with the Conservative Party. 
because the Liberal Democrats certainly aren't going to go there again. They got absolutely demolished after, like the Blue Wall did, like the Blue Hay Bales did. They got absolutely wiped out. They used to be the third biggest party, uh, and then the SNP took over. So no deal with the Conservatives, with Liberal Democrats. And I just They might be able to do another deal with DUP if they're really close. The DUP aren't going to win more than 10 MPs in the next election. So if the Conservative Party are 10 short... They could probably do something with DUP. But if it's more than that, the Conservatives will not be able to form a coalition. Well, the Liberal Democrats won't go into coalition with anyone. The Labour Party and the SNP look like they could be bedfellows, but the Labour Party is a unionist party. They do not want a referendum in Scotland on independence. The SNP will only go into coalition with another party if they're guaranteed a referendum on independence in Scotland. The Green Party might sign up with, uh, might join the Labour Party, possibly, but that's just, Caroline Lucas is probably going to be the only MP again after the next election. Maybe they might win two or three, but probably still just Caroline Lucas. Plaid Cymru have three MPs. It is unlikely. But these coalition states still depend on people voting and whoever wins having less than the majority in the first place, which we feel, which is what you're saying, Tassin, you feel is unlikely to happen in the first place. Well, no, no. What's not going to happen is there will not be a formal coalition. Right, okay. After this, we're not going to go back to a, to two parties coming together. So there may be a hung parliament. Yes. In terms of the question to not a Politico, my guess, and this isn't going to be popular in some quarters, but my guess is that the Conservative Party will have the most MPs after the next election. I think it's quite likely that it will be a hung parliament as things stand. I think that no one's going to go into coalition with them. So every single policy they do will have to be voted, like they'll have to attract Labour votes or SNP votes or whatever to get anything through. So it'd be really interesting to see what happens. And what often happens when there's no coalition that can be agreed is you get another election not far down the road because nothing can be passed in the House of Commons. You know, think about this small boats policies that we're getting at the moment. The House of Commons on the opposition all hate it. It's not quite clear what they would do. The Conservatives really believe in it. But that's a, that's a whole policy wouldn't couldn't happen in a coalition government, in a hung parliament. So I my prediction is... Probably a hung parliament, probably Conservatives bigger, probably a general election in 2025 as well. Ooh, big predictions. What has Rishi been up to this week? This is PM Watch. What have your spies been telling us about our dear leader? <laughs> oh, goodness. It's, it's, been, what, it's been a week of really big announcements, like really big policy announcements this week. We've got um, antisocial behaviour was launched and it's about the broken windows which is you crack down on the small things and the big things will sort themselves out we're going to ban not just oxide tough on crime and calling labor weak on crime and then labor say you're weak on crime and it just gets the worst kind of debate you could possibly have we've had uh, policy announcements on housing people who enter the country as Robert Jenrick called breaking into the country. If you break into the country illegally, he said, uh, you're going to go and stay 
in an army camp or an RAF camp until your application is processed, and then you'll be deported, most likely. These are specifically places that aren't very nice. Their basic needs will be met, but they don't want to put them up in nice. They don't want to make it nice because then people will try and come here. So they're trying to reduce the pull factor by making the accommodation basic, which just feels quite grim. I mean, I get the thing, but deliberately giving someone basic accommodation just feels it's harsh but there are no there are no easy answers to this there are no easy answers robert jemery was really clear in house of commons he was like this is a short-term solution because the only thing we can do is stop the boats this is this is a, a stop gap before stopping those boats because it's those boats that bring people here and it's those boats that ruin lives and all of that stuff and then we've got a policy announcement on net zero and how we're going to be zero netting and at the time of recording that hasn't come out yet so that's a big week of policies before the holidays i'm looking forward to well seeing if we report that's my crystal ball guys we're gonna have the the net zero policy announced, and we may talk about it on our next episode. Anything for you, Diane? What have your spies been telling us about Rishi this week? Policy has been the huge thing, absolutely. We missed a classic Sunak Starmer PMQs this week because they were both attending the funeral, paying their respects to Betty Boothroyd, who was the Speaker of the Commons, you might remember from a few years ago real character and they were both there, Sunak and Stormer. So we had Dominic Rabb and Angela Rehner and it was a particularly feisty exchange. It's always interesting when those two meet as deputies actually and just to see that how they interact. I don't think he particularly enjoys facing off to her because she really kind of goes for him, which is <laughs> interesting to watch. Yeah, different kind of style of PMQs this week, but the policy announcements are are definitely the ones to watch. So looking ahead uh, to the crystal ball for the next couple of weeks, because there is a recess next week. What do you have, Diane, in your crystal ball? We are actually taking a few days out as SP. We're all over anything big or news happening. We will still be around, but... We are also taking a little bit of a holiday break ourselves. So, and then we'll be back. Yeah. So next week, and then it's long Easter weekend as well. So guys, do get your rests. Do eat as much or as little chocolate as you want to. Don't feel pressured, guys. Don't peer pressure if you don't <laughs> too much chocolate. There's an extra two hours of chocolate eating. We're going to add on <laughs> to the end of the day. I don't know how many mini eggs you can get down uh, in two hours, but uh, probably wow. quite a few. Infinite, infinite. Yeah. Infinite. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot of mini eggs. <laughs> Before we get to Eastery, i got to say we're back. So we're off next week. We're shutting down SP. We've got a post coming out on Sunday, so we won't be doing anything. But the week after, you better believe we're back. We've got SP Live, the first ever SP Live in Bristol on the 11th of April. We have sold 90% of the tickets. At a time recording, there are 10% tickets left you better snap them up you better come along because it's going to be really wonderful and we were talking about it and we're probably going to have some kind of mechanism where if i'm talking too much the audience can tell me to shut up and <laughs> that's probably worth coming just just to get me to be quiet if anyone can think of that what mechanism that could be guys 
uh, to get Tatsun to shut up, then please mention it ahead of time. It'll be quite interesting to see what the comments and thoughts are. You know, me and Charlotte are already working on trap doors, air horns. So anything else you can give us. <laughs> Shepherd's crook. <laughs> Yeah. We're all kids of the 80s here. I'm I'm fan of the good old-fashioned comet relief gunk tank. Oh. Above <laughs> Tatton's head. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> it's going to be fun. So, 11th of April in Bristol. So, if you're anywhere, if you can get to Bristol, not just in the area, do head on down, guys. We'll see the guys live. There's an airport not far away. So, literally anywhere <laughs> in the world you're listening to this. Anyone. You could probably jet in. You've got Temple Meads. You've got the other Bristol train station. I mean, do, I mean, SPLive.co.uk, do make sure you buy a ticket before getting an intercontinental flight just to come and see us. It would be a shame if we had to turn you away. Yeah, it would. Thanks very much, guys, for listening. It's been a pleasure as always. And thanks to you, Diane and Tatten. Thank you, dear listener. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. just heard a stripped media production. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.